Why is Gary Danielson? <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a hard question to answer. Why well, I don't know why. Why is the sky blue? Yeah. Why is water wet? Why is I, Gary actually Danielson no? I have an answer. For, I have an answer is. for this. I have an answer for this. Go ahead. Okay, Boomer. <laughs> Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, that's Hocus podcast about UJ football. I'm still Justin. And I, as always, am Nathan. Still Nathan. Even yep. after that game. Even after that game that many would say, we all suffered heart attacks or some sort of uh, cardiac-based trauma. I would uh, say, from... I was I was in like, like it was like a f- six-hour-long fight-or-flight event. I don't think by the end of it, I was very much like, ah, this is fun. Cause I, so to jump right into our experiences, <laughs> this was the Hold first on, game. We... Okay. Yeah. Go yeah. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go, say, ahead. go ahead. This is the first game that I got to, to go out downtown and experience like I used to for a game day, uh, with the, the bar hopping and the, the beer drinking and the shots having, and it was a great time. And so by the end of the game, I was like, fuck it i don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> but it's fun i'm having a great time and luckily we did win and so there were more more drinks to be had basically but i gotta say amici was good before amici i haven't been to amici in a long long time and uh we spent amici the the half uh half the game half the front end of the game at amici and so it has been renovated and the yeah, whole menu really has nice. had an overhaul and it's beautiful and everyone should go to amici i think they have the best whatchamacallit uh hot wings in the in the city i thought you were about to say hot wings so i was like surely yeah. surely yeah. nathan can find hot wings in his <laughs> yeah in yeah his yeah yeah give me a second <laughs> took me a minute but yeah registering yes. for that wikipedia thing right now is that no why? i already registered we're good carry on okay all right <laughs> uh i did run into a friend uh and listener of the podcast ben ben Pulowski, and he uh he mentioned that he really enjoyed our segment a few episodes ago where we talked about comparing players to bars and restaurants and he said that we missed a whole lot of good ones and i told him that you're going to need to give me some more but uh we, we both decided based off of my most recent uh downtown experience that jake camarda is indeed a michi you know it was there and you knew it was good like it came with plenty of recommendations, but you you revisit it later on, and yeah. you're like, "Damn, this was here the whole time!" Like, no, it just it yeah. had like an overhaul. It's way way prettier and better at what it was already doing. So, yeah, that's Jake Camarda now. Jake Camarda is a Michi. I can see that. Do you have any others? Because I, I really I'd like to know his insight. That was the the biggest one. He liked our uh, Max Canada comparison, which whoever we what compared we, him to. What did we say Canada was? Uh, it escapes me now. I don't think it was no Cade Maids was uh whiskey bent but i think that max may have been something like ben cleveland or somebody else or, in the offensive yeah, yeah, line yeah, yeah for sure just good but yeah just good it's just really good just yeah so that that's that's kind of how i felt about it but the downtown experience was great we finished the night at uh at all good uh as as some folks tend to do want to do but you're uh, not still 45 i don't night. understand how did they let you in <laughs> I don't know. I just kind of came in. I, I mean, I was hiding behind my wife as I tend to do. Um, right, right. As all sure. strong men t- tend to do. Yeah, that's that's uh, the smart thing. The smartest thing to do. You gotta. <laughs> How was your your Auburn experience? Oh my god, it was like, you know, the moment when you're having like 
you know, have you ever been in a car wreck? Yes. Okay. You know the moment when, or at least for me in the car wrecks that I've been in, there's this moment where you're like, well, this is happening like in slow motion and everything like mm-hmm. is very slow and you have this sense of unreality and you're just like, well, this is it, huh? I'm comfortable mm-hmm. with that. That was really this entire game. It was like that basically from the moment we got off off the buses. Like it was like I was just very, very nervous. And then the game started and we got up by seven and I was like, we're going to lose this game like eight to seven. Awesome. And then we got up <laughs> by 21 and I was like, maybe that might and then they scored that first touchdown and as soon as they scored the first touchdown i was like we're gonna lose this game i was just Mm -hmm. so convinced until like i basically even like you know on that last drive on that fourth and ten you know they probably still have a pretty good win probability in that moment because it's a fourth and ten those are hard to convert they're all they were only on their own like 40 or something so like Mm -hmm. it was not a guaranteed loss at that point for us at, at any point but like even going into that fourth and 10, I was still like, well, here's another disappointment. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And so can I, can I share with you, uh, there's a car wreck that I was in that comes to mind that specifically I feel like fits this very uniquely. Uh, when I was about, I was 19 years old and I was driving my mother's minivan. Uh, I was driving it to the mall to visit my current, my at the time girlfriend. And I crossed through an intersection that I couldn't see either side of the intersection, what was going on or coming through because it was like a four lane highway. Those of you that may be uh, Gwinnishans uh, oh my of the God. area. <laughs> this was going a. down Sugarloaf Parkway towards the Discover Mills area and we were crossing over, uh, I think what's Lawrenceville Highway. But going that way and Everything you just left, said disgusts me. Carry on. <laughs> I can't hide my past, Nathan. It's who I am. It's where I come from. But you know what? We can better ourselves along the way. Crossed over the intersection and all it, it happened in slow motion, but coming from the left was an ambulance and an ambulance just completely sideswiped our, our the minivan. And so it's like in the moments leading up to it, you're like, I don't know what to do about this. Like it's happening. I guess this is where I am now. And then immediately afterwards, you're like, man, my hand really hurts. I'm like good thing the ambulance is here. And the ambulance says, well, we can't help you because we were just in an accident. I'm like, well, who the hell do I call? And you know, it just kind of goes Hold back. on. The ambulance? <laughs> Oh, shit. Yep. Okay, okay. It was, I did not okay. even parse yep. that correctly. You just tuned back in. No, 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 no. I got it. I got it. I got it. I thought there I thought there was like a second ambulance involved. There was once we called it, but the one but that hit the, us was the original right, ambulance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. But like, I was like, for some, somehow, because I'm just always like ready to burn down the man, I interpreted that story as meaning a second ambulance arrived and then wouldn't see us because we didn't have enough money. and i was like these (laughs) bastards these capitalist (laughs) bastards you hurt their friend and then they won't help you those son of a bitches (laughs) all right carry on i'm with you they took out revenge no that's that's this game though it's like uh if you your car wreck was a very apt metaphor but i think to just pull the metaphor even further yeah where it's like it's like you you get hurt it should be helpful like the situation you're in but it's not somehow like Mm -hmm. it should be great to have like a top two defense in the nation but somehow it just makes it all more painful. It makes your hand hurt more when the ambulance who's there won't fix your problem because you, mm-hmm. they just wrecked you. It's also another analogy I would say is that it's like it's kind of like getting beat up by like your uh, primary care physician. It's like you're just making more work for yourself, man. <laughs> Come on. You have to fix this. <laughs> uh, it's job security, though. Yeah, I guess. Uh, were there any other other than like 
complex analogies that I had, I did not fully <laughs> did not fully track. Do you have any other questions or things from our experiences of this game? So there was that moment during the game when the photographer was kind of a collateral damage in mm-hmm. one of the plays when mm-hmm. Brian Herian accidentally need that photographer. As and I noticed do. that the Redcoats were were right behind, as you do, sorry, um, were right behind the photographer in that moment. And I wanted to know if you had any other further experiences or uh, any further perspective to add because of those folks being there. Well, uh, I was on the opposite corner from her. So I didn't, I was not up close. I know that like it very quickly got to be other photographers standing around them to like, like uh, most, like obviously most of the Redcoats like didn't want to be there in that moment anyway, like we're trying to get out of the way. But then I think they, there was like a whole kind of cordon of photographers. And then I think both of the team's training staffs ended up over there. What was really weird was what kind of made it like, like the the feeling the the atmosphere in the stadium was really weird it was like pin drop quiet both of the teams were kneeling down everyone's just murmuring and what made it worse was that like the the refs went over there and the refs like just weren't on the field it was very weird because they were you know because i guess it's like a safety thing where you know they can't they can't restart Mm -hmm. the actual game or whatever until they know because they had to bring the stretcher and the cart over to get her um, it didn't end up being anything bad. I think that she's been released. It was just a concussion and a bunch of bruising. But mm-hmm. obviously, in that moment, I guess you're worried about stabilizing the neck and the spine and making sure that like there's no spinal injury or anything. Yeah. So um, it was it was very scary. It was actually very scary because I saw it happen in real time, but like didn't realize because like a lot of times that will happen and it looks bad, but most of the time it's not. Like a lot of times. Like, you know, the, the photographer can kind of like roll out of the way or like fall back or like, like there's all sorts of different, I guess, strategies, but also just the physics of the game and such that a lot of time it's like right at the end of someone decelerating. So it's not even that hard of a hit, but where mm-hmm. she was, she was actually like right on the press line. But the way that Auburn stadium is, is that there's like a lot more room in Auburn stadium between the field and the beginning of the seats, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And so she was like on the press line, but like that actually put her pretty close to the field because they have a very generous press line, I think. And so what ended up happening was that like she had nowhere to fall back to, but also she was kneeling. And so her body was like rigid and upright and she couldn't just sort of like fall away. And I also don't know that she totally shot. She totally saw him because I think she was actually holding her camera as he hit. Yeah, Um, it looked like I thought at first maybe she her camera was what made contact with her face. Yeah, because the lens maybe hit the the knee, but I wasn't sure. I'm still not entirely sure. I but. think that he got her with like his like thigh, kind of, um, mm-hmm. which is the good news because I think if you take a knee, that like that you're definitely going to have some pretty serious damage. It was just it was really bizarre because you know we were in the we were in the red zone, coming into that place. It was like super loud, and then we scored on the next play coming out of that time stoppage, right? And like mm-hmm. the whole. It was like suddenly got really loud for two seconds and then we scored and it got quiet again. But even the Auburn fans, you know, I mean, if it had been the UGA fans, it would have been the same way. Even Auburn fans were like, uh, can we cheer now? Like, yeah, like this thing is like really scary that just happened. Like, can we do football again? Like, is this classy? Um, it, it was, but that was probably the only classy thing the Auburn fans did that night. But I don't know. I mean, that was uh, very weird because I was also there. I was at the game when... Um, Devon Gales got hurt 
and that was like a similar situation so like when that happens that's always running through your head and it's like i don't know <laughs> it's not great to experience that i mean obviously like no. i'm the least affected person by it ever but there was a feel of like man that sure does that sure does suck that i was here for both of these things but then it didn't end up being anything and that made me feel a lot better definitely a good thing any other subjective things you want to talk about before we get into the stats of it i am good I just got to say that downtown Athens still got hard, even on an away game. That's all. <laughs> you went hard, too. So I, I, I had appreciate a great it. time. <laughs> yeah. So you want, you want to talk about some stats? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So my my kind of initial thesis for this game is there's absolutely no reason that UGA won this game from most statistical parameters. You know, Auburn had ran more plays, had more yards, uh, had the same number of drives, had a 12-point success differential. 12 point rushing success differential a 10 point pass success rate differential and only got beat on yards by about well no they had a better yards per play pass and a uh slightly worse well no way worse better yards per play rush they had a better stuff rate they had a better havoc rate allowed like auburn's offense totally outperforms uh uj's offense in pretty much every category except the two or three that counted and i think the ones that really counted were scoring opportunity td rate um, Auburn just had a lot of drives that petered out. They didn't finish drives well. And a lot of that is, you know, when you get into the 40 and you get into third and long and you have a freshman quarterback who's a little wooden, let's be honest, that that can happen. I mean, uh, I thought Bonix looked good in the sense that he was like very, I don't know, he was like a, you know, he's a very athletic guy, but he he had some bad passes. He, he, he throws the ball yeah. kind of like, he throws the ball sort of like freshman Jacob Eason where he's like, I got a cannon and he just fucking hurls it, you know? Mm-hmm. but then he definitely seemed a little jumpy at times yeah too, yeah he definitely I, I mean he was just like throwing balls I can't all over the that. place <laughs> i mean and he had two really good drives but there were definitely i think in the first half what really helped was that they they just had a lot of drives stall out because when it came down to like i so by success rate right 44 percent uh first down success rate for auburn 46 percent second down success rate those are both above average or right at average and then third down success rate 28 percent now, all three of those are higher than UJ's success rate on the day, but that difference between second and third down SR, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that UGA, A, was dominant in the front seven, and B, was really good at making Bonix win the game. And he almost did it, right? I think I think UGA uh-huh. basically was like, we're just you're just not going to run. And that that's what happened. Like Auburn, UJ didn't run the wall, ball particularly well, but Auburn had a 41% rush success rate, but they averaged 2.7 yards per rush. Right, because they had a couple of big ones, but most of their rushes on the day went for like one or two yards or like negative ten. Right, um, I thought, you know, this is neither here nor there, but Jesus Christ, did our defensive line have a good day? Um, oh yeah, I don't know, man. This is just a weird game all the way around. On the one hand, you say, well, hey, you beat a top ten or top fifteen team at you know away at their place when they have a huge advantage. Um, you know, Jordan Hare is definitely a stadium where there's a huge home field advantage that place is loud it is nasty it is i mean it's a good crowd right so on the one hand it's hard to be upset about that and you know also it's hard to be upset about the way the defense played giving up 14 points in a hostile environment and pretty much just like i mean at some point auburn just decided like we we're not going to run anymore like we just can't run we're just going to give up on it um they had on the day one of the craziest stats to me was that auburn's auburn's rush rate on um on standard downs was 59%, right? Mm-hmm. Uh but their pass uh their rush success rate was 46%. So it 
So it's like they were running a lot and it just wasn't working that well. It just wasn't working. Yeah. And then their rush success rate went all the way down to 25% on passing downs, which like, of course, that's always going to happen because you have more to gain and then blah, blah, blah. But the, the point was like, they just ran, they just kind of gave up on it, especially in the third and fourth quarter, it felt to me. And mm-hmm. they decided that Bo Nix was going to have to win the game and he almost did. But I, I credit Georgia and credit like Georgia's freshman on defensively especially freshmen and sophomores natures pack not natures patrick jesus uh quay walker <laughs> i'm just I, I just i miss him so much um quay walker <laughs> looked really good Trayvon walker basically won the game i i thought that nolan smith despite not having a sack looked really good uh tyreek stevenson had a sack and did a really good job at staying on some wide receivers even though they a couple of wide receivers had a really good day um but you know as for the offense on the other hand getting all the way over to the other side of it you know, it felt like that on the drives we were on, we were really on, right? We saw some vintage Jake Fromm. We saw a really, uh, a very, I thought all three of the touchdown drives were the result of a very well scripted drive where kind of like just everything was working. And then the other, uh, if it just feels like this offense, like you kind of know how the drive is going to go from the first play. If the first couple of plays we have success, we'll just go, we'll just go crazy, right? And that, that annoys me because it's like, what are we waiting on when we don't do that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like I, the drives that we had success on, it felt like we were just so much more willing to pass. We were so much more willing to, pl- to pull stuff out that was against tendency. And like, we have got to stop running the inside read option zone, inside zone read option, just as like a matter of course, because I feel like that's what we do to start drives a lot of the time. And it just puts us in a hole second and nine on your own 26 is just not a good place to be in when you don't have very good wide no. receiver depths. And I know it's weird because, you know, I think one of the things I would take away from this game is that our wide receiver depth is not as good as we would like it to be. But so it seems weird to say this, but I really feel like we need to throw to open up the, up the run and we're just not doing that. Or we're not being like Kirby said, uh, we're not running outside because they're, you know, their game plan is taking away a lot of those runs. My, so my question would be, why are we running inside? Because they have nine in the box routinely. And yeah. I'm imagining that that also takes away that run. So like, what are we doing? You know, and they were in single high press band the whole night. I don't know, man. I think this team is what it is, which is like maybe a top four team. We might go to the college football playoff. I'm not complaining. Uh, you know, I would probably say one of the better defenses that Kirby's had, if not the best uh, top to bottom. But just this offense is so stultifying. It's so frustrating. And I, I don't even know what to say about it at this point. Like I have no, that, that was a, a legitimately awful offensive performance, but we won the game. So what are you going to do? Yeah. So I, mm-hmm. I mean, the stats tell us what I think. <laughs> I think the stats tell you what the eye test tells you, which is that mm-hmm. this team is going to exactly, going to go exactly for a far, as far as the defense takes it. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the offense will do just enough to keep us in the game. And I don't think we're going to beat LSU. I, I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> But like, uh, <laughs> spoiler alert. Yeah, uh, it, I would have to say I would have to see two remarkably different games over the next two games for me to be like, okay, yeah, we're good. And I know LSU's. I know that LSU's um, defense is not very good, but still, man, <laughs> I have a hard time. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting thing to to look into next too. But. This, I mean, going into this game, the preview, we talked a lot about how Georgia and Auburn looked really similar as far as their personality uh, stats go and their production stats and just kind of top to bottom. This, this was a coin flip game at the end of the day. And one thing we discussed was that Auburn scores by explosive plays. That's how they're going to score. They're not going to 
uh, putter their way across the field, they're going to have to score on explosive plays. And I think the same could be said about almost like the the same could be said about this Georgia team, except that the scheming is a little bit different. Uh, But but as far as like production goes and everything, like I think that we did to Auburn what Auburn needed to do to us. And that is kind of uh, what LSU is going to need to do to us, which if their defense is not as good as this Auburn team necessarily, then we have a better chance of winning than we might think we do. But also there are a lot of uh, uh, deficits on this offense to be able to keep up with an LSU scoring offense the way it's scoring. Um, But but yeah, like there's a, I think it's really awesome to see just uh, Auburn on offense. They had a 0% explosive rate, 0% explosive rate rushing. Uh, I think they had a 5% explosive rate uh, in standard downs uh, because those previous stats I was just sharing were all passing downs. And so, when they need to be making their biggest plays, which they were, you know, we're, we're taking away their rushing game. They need to be making those explosive plays through the air, and they just couldn't. Uh, and Georgia did it a little bit more than than uh, than Auburn did, which is not really saying much, seeing as our explosive rate was just six percent. <laughs> but um, we definitely, like you said, we need to see a little bit more in these next two games. That you know, the that our our Jake Fromm is getting better um, acquainted with these wide receivers. Still, I mean, with a lot of these receivers, he's only played. 10 games with still uh, there's plenty of practice in between all those games but at the same time like practice is not the same as a game time performance like those two things feel and look very different uh, from an athlete's perspective and i think we will definitely need to see a little bit more of these next two games than 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 what we are seeing i um, mean i i think i think jj holloman's dismissal from this team was like probably the most important thing that happened this year in regards it was to a this big team. hit because I think you're right, and I, I, on all points, I, I really like the idea that like we did to Auburn what they needed to do with to us. Like I think that's absolutely true. And you know, to be fair, Auburn lost this game because they couldn't stop the run completely. Right? They did sort mm-hmm. of stop the run, but they didn't do it enough. Right? And so yeah, we did just enough to win. Uh, but I just, it's like, why is my frustration is like I understand that you basically have three slot receivers and one, like you know, you're starting four receivers, like you don't really have two outside receivers right now. Matt Landers doesn't seem to really be clicking. Tyler Simmons has had a bad year. feels like they know they can trust George Pickens. They think they can trust Dominic Blaylock, two freshmen. And, and then Lawrence Cager. Yep. And then Lawrence Cager. But when Lawrence Cager is hurt, what are you going to do, right? I mean, and certainly Charlie Warner has had flashes, but has not been consistent. Same thing with Eli Wolf. So it, it in that in that sense, I totally understand where Kirby's coming from. I get it. Yeah. In another sense, though, it's like, what is happening in like wide receivers do not account for the last three Jake Fromm games. Like no. no amount of poor wide receiver play is making him misread. So what is that? Like what is it the scheme? Is it him slumping? Like I don't know what the problem is because even with a lack of depth at the wide receiver position, there's nothing in this in this offense that makes you think like, oh, this should be bad. Right. And Again, I need to say, like, I'm really, really sorry to wet blanket everybody. I have a lot of positive things to say about this team, uh, especially when we get to our, like, talking points kind of takeaway section. But statistically, this team is what it is. This was not a good offensive performance. Like, there's no way to say that it was. It was bad. It, I mean, Jake mm-hmm. Fromm had a bad day. And the fact that Jake Fromm didn't throw any interceptions is why we won. And it's fine, right? I mean, if he hadn't thrown any interceptions against South Carolina, we win that game going away. So, I mean, it's fine. But at the end of the day, we are now, if you want to be Alabama, you have to answer Alabama questions. And I've said that before, but it's it's very <laughs> true, right? If you, if you want to be a top two team in the nation, 
you have to answer the questions of someone who assumes that they're going to be a top two team in the nation. If we were having this year and Mark and it was, I don't know, 2006, we would all be ecstatic. But it, that's not what it is. That was 13 years ago. We are not in the Mark Richt era. We decided that we wanted to be Alabama. And there's a lot of good things that come with that. But the bad thing that comes with that is that you have to answer the question every day. How are you getting closer to the top of this sport? Right? Because you committed yourself to doing that. Sorry. <laughs> I feel like every... I You're feel good. Like, I feel like these last like four episodes has just been me being like, all right, well, parts of this still sort of suck. Like, And I, <laughs> and I feel really bad about it because... I, that's not well, what, I'm, not what I mean narrative. to do. <laughs> you got to have the dip. You got to have the the conflict before we get, you know, to the resolution and the climax of this story. Uh, do you have a couple players who you would say were your favorites of the game, offensive, defensive, or yeah, just I mean, in general, just Jake, a couple folks, Jake Camarda, and then like a giant gap, and then the rest of the team. <laughs> you remember that movie with the? It was like um. It was like a grindhouse style movie with the there was a the character the main character had like a gun for a leg. <laughs> yeah, no, it was literally called Grindhouse. Was it really just called Grindhouse? Yeah, well there were two movies. Like that that was Planet Terror. It was uh George Romero, I think, and Quentin Tarantino. Well, that's Jake Camarda now. That man, that first punt, that sixty seven yard punt <laughs> that on. pinned them in there. Hold on, you're saying what's that up? I, I need to get this I need to get this joke right because it's very important to me to imagine <laughs> Jake Camarda as this woman from now on. <laughs> It's very important for me to get this right. Jake Camarda is Rose McGowan with a gun strapped to his leg. I'm into it. All right, carry on. I just wanted to make sure we had the image right. <laughs> that is all. I, I'm going to just pull up a picture of Rose McGowan. Hey, anyway, anyway let's any, get to... Let's move on. Uh, I'm sorry. Rose McGowan yeah. di- diversion. Really derailed this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Jake, Jake Camarda had an outstanding day, but I hope that he never has to punt 11 times in a game. Uh, and I really hope that our team is, you know, it, it's funny. One of the, the a couple of those stats were we had a, a pretty great uh, opportunity rate or no, uh, a very bad opportunity rate, but great uh, touchdowns in the red zone. Um, yeah. One of the stats pulled up right in front of me. So I'm misremembering what the name of those stats are, but we just uh, need to be getting to the red, red zone, zone more touchdown often. rate. We had a hundred percent red Thank zone you. touchdown rate, but we only had the 13% red zone drive rate. Um, exactly. So, you know, I mean, we had a 40% scoring opportunity rate, which is not too bad. We were getting inside of their 40 pretty well, but we only scored a touchdown on a third of the times that we had we had a first down within the 40. Uh-huh. So if we weren't like getting a long bomb or a sustained play like into the 20, we were not having a lot of success. Yeah. Which is bad news bears, really. Uh, and, and I hope Jake Camarda does not have to save us again. I hope the Hot Rod and Jake Camarda are not the only reason... That we have success in the future uh, of this season, but yeah, Hot Rod definitely had a pretty inactive day. Yeah, oh god, he did. Yeah, God, yes. Uh, and that's that's mostly because we just couldn't get to the red zone again. We couldn't get back over there. Um, what are your final takeaways and observations, though? Um. Okay, so I think Jake Camardo is the man. Um, I think that we have a lot of freshman talent on defense, which makes me happy because it makes me think that this is, this game is going to get better. Uh, I think we have a wide receiver depth problem. I've said this before, but I, I'm starting to really believe that like a lot of the problems that we're having, isn't the wide receivers aren't getting separation. It's just that we don't have the wide receivers for the kind of passing game that we want to run. Right. I mean, Lawrence Cager is pretty good at this, but he's banged up. George Pickens seems to be pretty inconsistent at staying on the field. We do not have a guy. We don't have a Javon Wims. You know what I mean? We don't have yeah. a, we don't have mm-hmm. a back shoulder guy because 
when that back shoulder fade and when those like deep bombs are, are there, they're happening like routinely, this whole pass offense opens up, I think. Um, so I think that's a problem. I also think that, you know, Fromm's not having a very good year. Um, well, mm-hmm. he's not having a very good second half of the year. How he plays over the next two games, I think is going to be really important. I think we're going to probably win the next two games. I think we're definitely going to beat the crap out of Georgia Tech. But I, I also feel like I worry that we're going to have, I, I, just, I just worry that those two factors might limit an otherwise really cool season, right? Um, yeah. I, I'm starting to, it's, start, it's starting to feel weird to me how James Coley's drives go because it feels like either his drives end in three and outs or they're very successful, right? And, mm-hmm. I, and I don't know what the difference is. It just feels like that if James Coley is willing to pass on first or second down, we always have a better drive. If he's willing to go up tempo, we always have a better drive. But we don't go up tempo a lot. Now I know a lot of that is like game management stuff, but at the end of the day, man, like I don't know. It's just I I I I don't I don't even know what to say about James Cole anymore. He's I I don't want to just say like he's bad. Fire him because I think he's he's dialed up some very interesting plays. But simultaneously, like I, there's just so many obvious things that aren't working, and I know. Mm-hmm that a lot of that is what the defense is giving you. But if that's what the defense is giving you, you have to do something else. Right. And so that's, that's my thing. You can't just bang your head against the wall. Well, no, let me rephrase. You obviously can. You shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> we seem to be doing that. Yeah. So let's talk about some over-unders and how they all shook out. So, the very first one was an over-under UGA, 160 and a half yards of rushing. The reason why we chose that is because that split UGA's rush production and Auburn's prevention right down the middle. And we both said over. I think at the end of the day, we had 141 yards rushing on the ground. I, I, is, I, will uh, say, I, I will say, like, we both said over. I think we both kind of said over because we were like, this is what we want to happen. Yeah, well, that's what we felt needed to happen in order to win the game. We didn't realize that we'd win the game like this. Yep. Uh, but we were both kind of hoping that we get the, the the rushing game started so that we can can have a decent and intentional pass game. But yeah. the the passing game seemed to be a bit more unintentional and accidentally explosive. Um, <laughs> well, the one play to Blaylock was good, but that was yeah. a very well-designed play. And it, we had some hard play action. Hey, can I just say something? Hmm. I guess this is just where we take me off the chain and I get to yell. Why the fuck? <laughs> why in the holy god almighty fuck are we not doing more hard play action? I don't even I can't We've even been, we said that at the beginning of the season we needed more play action from yeah. the start. We just don't see yeah. true intentional play yeah. action. Hey, are we going to have a time for me to rant about why Auburn sucks and why their athletic department is horrible? Are, are we already, are we already I, past that time? I don't think it's ever past that time. Okay. <laughs> you want to do it right after predictions? Sure. Okay. You just let it let it boil over a little bit. It will. It will. Don't worry. Okay. Uh, over under Jake from two sacks. Uh, you said under. I said push. They only got one sack on our boy. So it ain't that bad. Could have been worse. Yeah. No. I mean, uh, I thought over under. <laughs> I thought we had a really good day actually. Um, despite yeah, them getting. Some I was pressure. very. My biggest concern going into this game was the offensive line and all of the injuries going into this game, but they played a great game. Yeah, you they know, really did. Everybody. Yeah. Over under one and a half Bonex passing touchdowns. I said over, you said under. I was thinking that we would take away the rushing game to make him have to pass. Turns out that he had one in him. Uh, so you got that under. Um, or he had, excuse me, he had just the one in him. One passing, one rushing, yeah. Uh, over under half or 0.5 Auburn rushing touchdowns. 
Um, I said under because that's the narrative I wanted to believe. Uh, but we did give up our rushing touchdown to Bo Nix himself. So you got that over. Uh, over under three and a half UGA yards per carry. Sacks adjusted. We both said over. Turns out it was what? Right at 3.8? 3.86. Yeah. So not pretty, but gets the job done. That's that's yeah. the uh, Georgia offense. That's the stamp of approval. Oh, God. That just made me, that just made me so angry. <laughs> <laughs> uh the overall game score predictions for this game auburn was a two and a half point favorite uh over under was 41 points this game turned out to be 21 14 in georgia's favor uh my prediction was 24 17 for a six point differential yours was 24 20 for a nine point differential so small window but i will come away with that one but i think that you win the overall day on predictions with score of one two three four to my two today oh my god dude can we just let, let's just pause let's just pause okay because mm-hmm. i i gotta talk about the auburn university athletic department okay athletic, athletic association i i want to preface this by saying that the auburn university marching band were incredible hosts they brought us water they were very polite uh i had to talk to one of the drum majors about some logistic stuff and she she was amazing as was their staff member that we worked with so nothing but kudos to them they had a great show Whoever is running their marketing department or whoever is doing their, uh, who does their signage on the Jumbotron is a horrible human. They're def- oh. they, Okay, so three things. One, they're, uh, no, four things. One, they kept on replaying this clip of Kirby Smart getting run over as a, uh, as a player. And they were using Munson's audio feed over it. Like Larry Munson being like, oh, they're running right towards Smart and they run right over him. So that was like, okay, that's kind of petty for, you know, you're, you're playing a team that is like probably objectively more talented than you and a team that's won at that time, like, you know, 11 of your last 14 meetings and you still are going to talk shit. OK, so that's weird um, Two, <laughs> they do this weird thing, flex, but OK. Yeah, weird flex, but OK. But and that would have been like, OK, that's just cheeky. Fine. But they do this thing and, and UJ does this similar thing at, um, at UJ games where they're like, here's two plays from the history of uh auburn football and you'll yell and whichever one has the higher decibel meter that's the play that wins the day and we'll show it and they were all just like super dirty plays so like one of them was like cam newton having a giant day on the ground and beating uga in like 2013 or something one of them or 2010 one of them was which is dirty in its own way (laughs) one of them was nick fairly hitting aaron murray like three or four times late and it was like they fucking idolized that moment and it's like it's okay if your fans like that, like whatever, but like that, those were unsportsmanlike hits. And this is from the same place that would always used to read the Auburn Creed before games. And the Auburn Creed is this like, like completely bullshit, like a hypocritical document about the way that Auburn people act. Right. And it, and it's super bullshit in the sense that it's like a very like post antebellum, like uh fraternity stupidity, but they read this whole thing off and it's like, you know, I believe in, the fair play and in honesty and truthfulness and in you know education and obedience to the law because it protects the rights of all literal direct fucking quote from the auburn fucking creed are you fucking serious and then they have fucking nick fairley who on top of being a dirty football player has been arrested several times now i understand being arrested and put into a a a deeply unjust system but as a black man doesn't necessarily mean that you're a bad person but he did things on the football field that could have been classified 
as assault. Mm-hmm. And then you have the fucking temerity to hold that up. And then finally, the thing that drove me the most insane is that their third down, like, get loud graphic, uh, graphic where it was like, get angry, get loud, it's Auburn football. Like, the background of that was just a silhouette of Aaron Murray getting hit by Nick Fairley. Can I just say, fuck me. <laughs> fucking fuck. Like, the, the, these motherfuckers wearing shackets dressed like they just came from a fucking youth group meeting and and these these country club pieces of shit have the fucking gall to raise up this person who is just like a, not a good sportsman which i don't give a shit about that like whatever hit people late like whatever but don't fucking act like you're better than this horrible system auburn don't don't act like you're above this you're not above this that's it. Just, it just fucking incenses me. Fuck. I hate. I for, I forgot how much I hate Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Oh. Oh my God. Okay. Here's the other thing. Hold on. While we're there, and this is the most emblematic of Auburn thing I've ever seen. Auburn, like, just like there are so many like ruddy faced dudes in Auburn, like big dudes with like dark red faces wearing like checkered auburn shirts and then like a three-quarter zip jacket over over top of it you're familiar with like the shacket thing right the like you know that's like sort of the look uh which is like that's fine that's kind of the uga look too but at one point during the game uh i was we were under the stadium and we noticed that like there's a holding cell under jordan hair right like where if you get arrested at the game they take you before they take you to the gel really yeah there is and it was all auburn fans and I, and I was just like, <laughs> I understand. Look, I don't ever want to like punch down. And even if someone is like an entitled piece of crap and they get arrested, you're still punching down if you make fun of them for getting arrested. I'm not making fun of any individual person for getting arrested. I'm just saying like if a UGA frat boy goes to Auburn and gets arrested, like I have no sympathy for that, but it kind of makes sense. If you mm-hmm. are an Auburn alum or someone who's like been tailgating at Auburn for a long time, how are you getting arrested at Auburn? Like, what do you have to do? I don't know. <laughs> you know the rules. Yeah. Like, you're not familiar. Only that, but like, you should have like a whole network of support around you to keep you from getting to that point because that's your home. What is going on, Auburn? <laughs> oh, my God. It's just a bunch of just like lumber mill, lumber mill engineers. Like, oh, my fucking A. Let's get into our favorite segment of the show. Yeah. It's the uh, hashtag AskCBC. If you would like to hear your own questions on the show, make sure you send them to us before we record. Uh, we usually ask for these on Twitter, but you're always welcome to send them to us through Gmail. But make sure you get them to us. You can just also usually just yell it at Nathan, and we may or may not answer it on the show. But uh, it's better than not. You got to, you know, shoot or, shoot or shoot. Yeah. 100% of the shots you don't take, yeah. you miss, et cetera, yep. et cetera. And, and so, we, we answer all of these, so. Oh, oh yes. We will. I'm not sure there there are many that we don't read. If we don't read it, it's because we usually missed it. Yeah. But our very first question comes from Terry Nelson. This is like my my dad. Hold on. What? So Terry asks, do what? Is this your not actual my real dad? dad? Like not my your actual dad. dad no. Okay. Like your dad. Got this it. Is like my dad. Um, like my dad. Like I look up to him like you would a father. Got not it. Like my dad in any other way. Got it. Terry Nelson asks, if you just look at the stat lines, you would have thought that UGA lost this game. Uh, they say the one consistent is that the team who runs the ball best wins this game. How true is that? Well, 
Uh, it wasn't this time because they. <laughs> well, okay, so that's the weird thing because overall, uh, their rush SR was we had a they had a forty one percent rush success rate and we had a twenty nine percent rush success rate, but on standard downs we had a way higher success rate than they did. Shrug. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, and a lot of that was the fact that on standard downs we had an eighty percent rush success rate. Right, like if we were able mm-hmm. to stay above ahead of the uh, chains, we were really good at staying ahead of the chains. So I guess, in a efficiency metric way, you could say that we did better than them. But they, I'm pretty sure they outrushed us on the day. Hold on, let me pull up the. One of the problems I have is that like I don't have the, um, I never have the, like traditional stats pulled up because I just like, you know, don't care about them. But then when it's like, how many touchdowns were there? And I'm just like an idiot flailing mm-hmm. about here. Let's see. So like, so they rushed considerably less than we did still. Yeah, they did actually. Eighty-four on the day. Yes, yeah, so they had eighty-four on the day. Uh, they threw a lot. Yeah, so I guess that's true. It didn't feel like it, but I think that's because they just didn't rush a lot. So I was more, I was much more frustrated by our inability to rush. Ultimately, I think we did a really good job of stopping the rush. So when you do that, you don't have to run that well. It's hard to say. Like I, I don't think that it's all. It always has to be the the team that runs the ball best wins the game. I think it's true when you are an SEC sports fan, um, specifically football sports fan, because that typically, you know, in in past years, that has been our personality um, in the SEC. That has changed considerably. Like I can even look down across just a quick box score from uh, all the the past SEC games this weekend, and like. Alabama only rushed 160 to Mississippi State's 188, and they beat them 38 to 7. Uh, Florida only rushed 56 to Missouri's 52, which was not really a fair game to uh, use by any metric because that was just a weird freaking game. Uh, but it it's it depends on what the team does. I mean, I think you need, of course, a pretty decent mix as far as your your personality stats go. Like whatever your personality, uh, your rates go, um, you should do them well i don't know that really doesn't say anything at all but <laughs> i know i i, I get what is you're that, saying is this anything no no, like... no 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 it is it is it is i get what you're saying no 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 you like all... like you have to you, you just have to rush well enough right and so if you're preventing yeah. the run well and you're getting enough done you'll usually win so i guess to answer your question it's it's not necessarily true you just need to do what you need to do to get the job done <laughs> so no blanket statements Okay. All right. Next question. That's, that's I think that's what I'm trying to get to. Kylo Ken, what color would your lightsaber be? Oh man, this is this is a hard. I question. thought about this a lot. This is hard. Cause see, okay, like green is or blue is the, blue is probably the real answer. Cause like I just think blue lightsabers look dope, but like that's kind mm-hmm. of boring. What would your answer be? I, I want to mm-hmm. know. So I've put uh, more than 500 hours into Kotor. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> so I think I'm you, specifically. What do you equipped. think about Kotor too? I love KOTOR 2. Oh, I yeah, like KOTOR 1 more, but I think the combat system in KOTOR 2 so is better. So much better, yeah. And uh, Sabacc makes more sense. So, mm-hmm, yeah. The story is fantastic, and I wish we could... I could do a whole podcast on just KOTOR, but oh, God, my I lightsaber, I think... So <laughs> I like the white lightsabers a lot, and I also like like the dark yellow ones. Okay. But if if I had to choose a lightsaber, I would probably base it off my favorite color, which is like a darker gray-green, if I could. Like, I don't want the bright-ass green. Um, but it's all about Kaiba crystals, you know, whatever is available and accessible. I, I kind of, I would have pegged you as a, a, a red lightsaber guy. Yeah. I, I just always have had, I've been a, I've always been a sucker for Luke's second lightsaber. Luke's mm-hmm. ROTJ lightsaber. I love it so much. Um, but I also, I'm like a 
big fan of just like the regular blue lightsabers. I'm really mm-hmm. I'm really into like bright colors. And the red is like almost too saturated for me. Like I like like red mm-hmm. lightsaber red is a little too saturated. Um I I mean obviously you you love Mace Windu's purple. All right. <laughs> Sorry. I we could just talk about Star Wars <laughs> for another 2 hours. Carry on. Uh the 984, would you ever utter another conference foe's rallying cry to voice your support for them helping out your team's cause the way Dan Mullen said War Eagle? I would do the Kentucky one because I think it's funny and also because I love Turner Hawkins, but no other than that. <laughs> when he when he no. asked this, I was trying to find the gif of um, of Jules from uh, Pulp Fiction saying, does he look like a bitch? Uh, but yeah, <laughs> probably just Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Keith Schrader asks, how angry should I be that Auburn kept broadcasting that dirty, dirty hit on Aaron Murray? Well, I think you've already answered this. <laughs> yeah, just enough so that you're angry for the rest of your life. Which is different for all of us. Adam H., has any one player in college history ever been as mismanaged as Jake Fromm? Also, why hasn't this team developed the ability to step on throats and finish? Are these two answers somehow related? Hashtag uh, HPTFD. Well, the, first, the, the, the sad answer to the first question is no, because Jake Fromm's name is not Justin Fields. The second question, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that like if one of the easy ways to step on somebody's throat is to have a really successful run game when people know that you're running and we haven't been able to do that. Right. So if you can run at will in the third quarter up 10, then, yeah, you're going to step on the throat. And I think that's what we've tried to do, but it just hasn't worked. Martinez, Treor, Thibault and Swift. Great win. Curious what happened in the fourth when Auburn could suddenly move the ball and score. Were we in a prevent that was giving them room or did they figure something out? Uh, I think both. I think what we were doing was we were running like, so, you know, we run like Saban's uh, disciples all run this like press match, uh, match coverage where you're playing like zone and man at the same time, depending on what's coming to you. And I think what they figured out is that they could get their interior interior receivers matched up against inside linebackers. And a lot of those big catches were either just like a little curl route out of the like real close to the line of scrimmage or like a like a deep post where you were picking up a linebacker. You were picking up like a the I think they saw that there was a mismatch between their fastest wide receivers speed wise and our linebackers. And then also there was a mismatch between um, our dime player or our quarter player, whoever, like, you know, the fourth, third and fourth uh, quarterback and like Will Shorts. And then there was one who, one guy who had a really, really good day, um, uh, Seth Williams, right? And so, but then, you know, Seth Williams' biggest catches were all on the sideline. So I, I think they just sort of made some adjustments. And I also think that UJ started padding. I, I think we were still playing press man where or we were playing like cover match man or whatever, where we were like, uh, you basically like let the opponent come into your zone of control and then you adjust based on what route they're running. But we were giving them like eight to 10 yards at the snap. And I think they were just exploiting that because you'll notice that if you go back and you watch their very last drive, we went back to like too high Tampa two press where we were just like giving half of the field to both uh, safeties. And we had, we were just like pressing every wide receiver and then they had a four and out or whatever. So I, I think it was just a brief... I think it was just some adjustments that were made either way. Lugnut Dog. Better sound bite. HBTFD or all I want to do is effing eat. I think the second one for me personally. I, uh, I think the... I think I like the second one more, but I also think that uh, I really like the... I, I really like that the first one is was said like in the open, you know? I do like that. That it was like in a press conference. Yeah. They asked him a question. He was like, this is my honest... This is the truth. Yeah. 
ATA presidents. Um, them dogs is hell. Don't they? That's true. Them dogs is hell. Yep. That's not really a question. It was a yes. question. They, they don't. They are. They are hell. That's true. Stephen Reinsmith. Why is Gary Danielson? <laughs> that's that's a hard question to answer. Why well, I don't know why. Why is the sky blue? Yeah. Why is water wet? Why is I, Gary actually, Danielson no, I have an answer the way for, he I have an answer is. for this. I have an answer for this. Go ahead. Okay, Boomer. <laughs> okay. Rhino, <laughs> Rhino Redhawk, please share some love for very important, very improved player, Jake Camarda. Are there any advanced statistics for punting? There Very are, little, but actually. no, there are, but uh, Bill Connolly doesn't release them anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. If we could get the real breakdowns for SP plus, that would be really pretty. Um, just anyone out there in the ether. I'm actually sort of working. I'm not working on this, but I keep asking people who know more about it than me. So we'll see. Help us out. Yeah. Uh, Carrie Andridge, longtime listener, first time caller. If going up tempo is successful, clearly Jake feels in his element during it. Uh, why don't we run it more often? I feel like this season, it's only been done right before halftime and those Notre Dame injuries. Carrie, you're you're such a wise woman. You have a lovely child. You have a husband who doesn't deserve you, but is also very handsome. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't. I, I Okay, I think that Kirby would tell you it's because you want to win the time of possession battle. And if you go up tempo and it doesn't work, then you're way behind the eight ball because, you know, then you're putting your defense mm-hmm. back on the field. I would reply when you go three and out 11 times in the game, you really don't have to worry about winning the time of possession battle. Mm-hmm. I mean, that does make sense. I mean, if he doesn't feel, it doesn't seem like he's super confident in the offense. Yeah. And just one hurry up offense. I think I you're mean, wasting all that time. I agree. Um, I, but I just also think that like at the end of the day, if, like I know that you're not dis- you're not arguing with me, but my response to that argument, no, no. which I know you are not making, but just putting out there, is that mm-hmm. what we're doing right now isn't working. So the alternative yeah. is that it also doesn't work. <laughs> like that's true. So I I don't know. Uh, Ryan's got a whole slew of questions. Here we go. Well, his first question we've already answered. Yeah, that's why I'm gonna skip that one. Uh, how Chef's Kiss is the 0.167 winning percentage that Gus Malzahn has against Alabama and Georgia over the last six years? It's impossible for it to be any oh. more Chef's Kiss than it is. Mm. 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 You taste that? Mm. Do you taste that right there? Mm. Yummy, 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 yummy. Spices. Mm. All I want to do is eat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just imagining Kirby Smart saying it like that. All I want to do is eat. Mm. Nom, nom, nom. Nom, 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 nom. Uh, is LSU going to put 70 on Arkansas? <laughs> they very well might. Uh, I think they could do 80. Oof. That's that's a thing that we said last week. I, like, I don't everybody's think saying they, that Ohio State has to play anybody. Yeah, I just think they, they could. There's just not enough time in a game to put that many points but, up on somebody. Okay, okay. I counterpoint. Counterpoint. Did you know that uh, I think as of like last weekend, Arkansas was like one of the six worst teams in the history of the SEC conference? Jeez. And like of those other teams, other than Arkansas, like two or three of them were like Sewanee and Tulane. Wow. Yeah. Dang Arkansas. Yeah. I'm so sorry you're this way. It's not your. It's probably your fault. Corollary question to that: Where do you think the UF Michigan bowl game will be this year? <laughs> I mean, it'll be in some <laughs> shitty Tampa Pro Stadium, like it always is, or it'll be in the uh, Camping World Bowl. <laughs> uh. All right, Dirty Dan, the real Dirty Dan, in fact. Where should I get HBTFD tattooed on my body? I was thinking a full body piece, but am open to suggestions. 
I'm trying. I think inside no, of the hold eyelids. On, hold on, hold on. So every time you blink, you you're reminded. The problem is the person who asked this question, and I have a relationship that if it were to be public, would seem like I was sexually harassing her. <laughs> so it's hard for me <laughs> to respond. Um, I think just a tasteful forearm tattoo. Like don't just, don't be afraid of it. Tasteful, like, like really like frame it up, you know, and like maybe like beautiful some background art. Put it in script. Like you want, you don't want anything too angular because you want to be able to expand it out into a sleeve later, you know. <laughs> uh, second question is, how much of a goddamn fool is Dan Mullen? Oh my god, he's. It, it's like, okay, I I agree. You know, you were you were you we we said it before the Florida game, like you were talking about how like I wasn't around for Spurrier, so like I don't hate, uh, I don't hate, hate Nas Spurrier the way that you know other dogs fans do, and I totally mm-hmm. agree. But like. You you have to say like whatever you want to say against Spurrier, you got to say like at least he knew how to deal with the press. Dan Mullen just comes off like an idiot a lot of the time. He's just kind of an asshole. Yeah, it doesn't make even any for like sense. football standards. Yeah, <sighs> I know, I know. <laughs> it's he just says like he says things, and it's like if I were nobody a, asked you to say that. Yeah, if I were a Florida <laughs> fan, I would not want you to say that. Like I'm not even angry at you. Don't speak for me. Yeah. Uh, Abby asks, if you could run an RPG as a one shot, any RPG as a one shot, what game would it be? And which UGA players would you want playing? Oh, man. So, I want. Let's so do. I, I um, have two answers. UGA players in recent memory, too. Okay. Not just the ones currently. Oh, if you oh have recent any. memory. Okay. I have two RPGs. So my first answer would be Monster Hearts. And my second answer would be Boy Problems. Which is a mm-hmm. one-shot RPG based on the concept that Carly Rae Jepsen says that she has a vault of about 200 songs. And it's a near, it's like a future post-apocalyptic cyberpunk RPG where you and a team of like weird, like transhuman, like cybernetically ad- advanced weirdos go on a heist to uh, like break into Carly Rae Jepsen's vault of unreleased songs and release them to the world so that like the world can like be a better place and like have love and beauty in it again. And it is so good. It's called Boy Problems. It's what is this game? It's called Boy Problems. It's the Carly Rae Jepsen. Why have we never the Carly Rae Jepsen? Why has RPG. nobody ever told me about this? Yep. Now I will say it's a little rules light. That's fine. But we are trying to adapt it into it's from the lasers and feeling space rpg which is okay uh-huh. it's, it's a 1d6 system but we have actually thinking um i think peter is adapting it for the uh rook and pawn black friday day and he's i think gonna Sweet. put it into the monster hearts or the, uh, some other system like a, an apocalypse world system because it's a little okay. rules light and it's also something that's kind of designed to be played with like two to five two to three players it says two to five but you really need three that sounds outstanding and i want to play that real bad yeah it's it's very cool and also those those songs are real and i really like the idea that your high your team of here here's what it is it is many years in the future a wealthy and powerful person or persons has claimed a rare and much sought after prize the vault of 200 unreleased this is real songs from the renowned canadian pop artist carly ray jepson's jepson crg crj hired by an anonymous sponsor your team of highly trained individuals will raid a well-defended location to retrieve said item and that's amazing oh my god yep Let's uh let's hit the last segment of the show real quick. It's the um <clears throat> the Dr. James Field Troll Corner presented by Cheerwine. It's the wine that gives you diabetes. TM 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 TM. What book would you equate to the Auburn game and why? 
Okay, I got it. So my answer is Hyperion, the Hyperion series by Dan Simmons, uh, which is a far future science fiction series that's horror and also like absolute mindfucked and insanity, like like LSD influenced, like space travel bananas. It's it's absolutely crazy, and it starts out as like uh a far future retelling of the canterbury tales and then it ends up in some weird places but anyway the reason i would the reason i would do that is a it's bizarre and you feel like you're on drugs the whole time which is what the auburn game was like for me and b because it's like yeah it's really well written and it's a work of art but it's also like super scary and hard to read sometimes so what i'm going for here is there are a bunch of books that people are like, you have to read it. Like, everyone needs to read this book. I'm like, ah, I'm good. Like, I've read a bunch of other books just like it, and I did read that book, and I'm good. Like, Infinite the, the, You know, the symbolism is very heavy-handed. I'm good. Gravity's I don't need rainbow. to read it. Well, the books that immediately come to mind for me, and this is probably unpopular opinion, um, are books like The Alchemist. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a, it's fine. But I'm like, eh. Yeah. yeah. Eh. I'm with you. Uh, Old Man in the Sea. Like, I'm good. Ernest Hemingway, keep your books yourself. Like Farewell to Arms, like, eh. I don't care for Cormac McCarthy. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. the list goes on for the the books that I'm like, eh, it's fine. And the reason why I choose all those is like, yeah, it's it's good. And like, I can, you know, like the the book reader in me can recognize that this is a well put together piece of, of literature. But it's like, eh, I, I could have done without it. You know, I didn't need this. Yeah. Yeah. You could have left this one at home. Have you ever read Gravity's really, Rainbow? No. no, I have not. It's like that. So is Infinite Jest. Yeah. Infinite Jest is good now. I like Infinite That's, Jest. Oh, yeah. But it's just like a really... Infinite Jest is where I would put there, It's too, like a yeah. really, 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 really well-written science fiction story. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's just what it is. And I I mean, David Foster Wallace, some of his like personal relationships have not aged very well. I know he was mentally ill, but yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, I like I like that. Next question. Yeah, that that's a good answer. Yeah. While our defense, especially rush defense, is elite, uh, how do you see our secondary standing up to LSU? I think given that the young guys, I think given that Tyreek Stevenson and Tyson Campbell are healthy pretty well, I mean, they're going to get their points. I would expect that we're going to need to score 30 to win this game, which is why I kind of think we're not going to win. Um, I just, I think we'll do better than most people think. I think that our our, our cornerback depth is actually really good right now. I really like how, how mm-hmm. Tyreek Stevenson looks out there. They have a lot of these like they have two or three of these like just giant guys and so we're going to really need those two guys those two young guys to step up because those are our biggest cornerbacks for the most point. Yeah. I I agree that I think that we're going to do better than people are thinking that, you know, people are saying like, "Oh, they're going to score a whole bunch of points through ARS." And I'm like, "Eh, they might, but I think that we're going to we're going to do quite quite all right." Yeah. And we'll hear more about that in a few weeks. Next question, Justin. Since Skittles are your favorite candy, does that mean that you support Trail? Uh, what is it? Trail the Wouse? Trail the Wouse. Trail the Wouse here. Hey, it's me, Trail the Wouse. Eating has been around since the medieval time, and colors has been around since the 1950s. If the 1950s and medieval times had a baby, it would have been a bag of Skittles. <laughs> I, I am now. I didn't know about it until this question i had to look it up and nathan had to kind of uh teach me about it a little bit but these commercials are outstanding this is what I, this is the kind of content i'm here for like you know berries and cream guy um trail luau sky now like this is what i'm looking for like those of you that don't know what this is you should go check it out right now it's uh fantastic this guy looks like what you would imagine a 70s era like coach like gym coach would look like 
yes, with like very um, much so. he's semi balding, but he's not hiding it. He's got a tight, uh, you know, collared shirt on with his gym shorts, and he's talking about Skittles and how great they are. Uh, go look it up. Statistically, Nathan, why do Sousa players make the best lovers? Okay, first off, wild and total lack of reserve. That's a positive quality. Enthusiasm, right? Enthusiasm will get you places that skill won't. That's what life has taught me. And, you know, so that's a, that's a good place to start. Just just wild, uncontrolled enthusiasm for life at all times. Uh, a lack of respect for social mores. That's also positive. Uh, willingness to really <laughs> explore boundaries. Also positive. Yeah, just just puppy like enthusiasm. Um, I would say <laughs> no. I would say physically, uh, physically, I think is most people you either have a quick tongue or a strong tongue, but a tuba player has both. All right, uh, was, was was the second half offense the result of us taking our foot off the gas or Auburn adapting faster than we expected? I think both actually. I think I think we took the foot off the gas on offense, but I also think that Auburn came up with a pretty good plan. My wife wants to know if you guys are Team Peta or Team Gale. Oh my God! This is Hunger Games. Those. Of yeah, you I know. Okay, so I'm actually split on this. I don't have strong opinions either way. On the one hand, I don't really either. On the one hand, like Peta is like the canonical love interest, and Gale is also sort mm-hmm. of like, uh, kind of a like nice guy, like capital N, capital G, nice guy, you know. And so, the, yeah. But also, Peta. I think Peta's the the nice guy, though. I mean, but like Peta fucks, right? Like, I respect that. Um. Gail is super nice to Katniss and also Peta gets like <laughs> Peta does do her pretty wrong. I mean, honestly, he was like brain yeah. he was brainwashed. Sure. Yeah, you're right. I mean, so I mean like in, in on book, one, in hand, book like, one, I'm team Peta. But by like book three, it's mm-hmm. like I don't know what team to be on. I think that yeah, I mean, there's just more things to worry about, different things to worry about. But I think that really they both represent an interesting like split between like what you're bringing with you from your childhood and then where you're going as a person later. Like Gail's like, like you left your city, you left all these people behind and you could have stayed back and done all this. She's like, I've grown, like I've changed a lot and you don't recognize that. So uh, by that standard, I think that that's somewhat toxic, despite the fact that Gail had no choice. He had to stay behind, but Pete is kind of in my mind, like a little, like I think he's the capital NG nice guy, Uh, but he does change considerably as well. But I don't know. we we grow with people that we you know we we have strong traumatic experiences with. also i'm and just saying like this is the post-apocalypse there are no rules like why aren't we in like no a, why aren't we in like a wobbly tripod here yeah why can't they all just be together yeah polyamory is a thing man especially in the post-apocalyptic world yeah i know there's no there's no social <laughs> like you're literally breaking society like fuck whoever you want it's fine mm-hmm. or multiple people at once just get consent it's all right go nuts all right. <laughs> On that note, that's the end of the show. Yup. <laughs> you want to see us out? Man, this has been a weird one. It has been, yeah. hasn't it? Um, yeah, I do want to see us out. This has been Chapel Bell Curve. If you like what we heard today, there's three things that we'd love if you do. First, if you would leave us a positive or negative review on Apple iTunes so that I can read it and make fun of you. Second, I will not make fun of you. Read us a good one. <laughs> I'm not trying to incentivize you to do that, but I will make fun of you if you read us a bad one. Second, and also, there's not going to be any of this like, well, we respect your opinion. Fuck you. I don't respect your opinion. Give me a one-star review. Get Jesus fucked. Christ. <laughs> I will personally call your ass out. Anyway, um, I don't know. You, I don't know. You jack shit. I made this for you. Second, 
if you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, that's also where you can get in contact with in contact with us. In contact. If you really loved like we heard to here today, you can also join our Patreon and just give us a couple our of bucks. Patreon. You know what, man? Sorry. <laughs> give us a couple of bucks a month. Come on, get a contact. Jesus Christ, dude! Let me get out of this. Okay, this go ahead. That yeah, go I'm, ahead. I'm in eternally, <laughs> eternally hoisted on this. All right. Um, <laughs> Second, you could join our Patreon for just a couple of bucks a month and join our burgeoning and enthusiastic and very, very raw version of our podcast on our Discord. And third, if you liked what you heard so much that you want it on your body, which, I mean, who would not want my voice on their body, uh, you can look at on Etsy and search Chapel Bell Curve and look at our merch store. We are adding new stuff all the time, and hopefully we will have a couple of uh, catchphrase shirts up in the next hey there's cold weather clothes up yeah but i'll we're gonna try to put some catchphrase clothing up there there's a, a pr- one mm-hmm. particular catchphrase that we might be thinking about doing a like a abbreviation of um but yeah we will catch you in the classic city this weekend when we play the aggies and they're very confusing traditions but until then go, <laughs> go dogs. hey do you know i can buy skittles on amazon by the pound oh that's beautiful